Well, guys, good morning. Thank you for watching and listening. Well, we are going to be wrapping up our series, Love Song, which is our walk through the Song of Solomon today. Um, if there's any book in the Bible that could get teenagers to read the Bible, it's definitely this one. Um, when I was in seminary about 15 years ago, there was a pastor by the name of Tommy Nelson, and our professors actually referenced this pastor's commentary on the Song of Solomon because it was so good. Tommy Nelson was the pastor at Denton Bible Church, which was just a short drive from Dallas Seminary. And the church that I served at while in seminary, we actually used his material in a message series or a sermon series. And so some of the things I'll reference today will be directly from his material. Um, so let's start with context and let's build from there. For the last time that we're going to be talking about this, just, to re- just as a reminder, Song of Solomon is a love story between a man and a woman that was written about a thousand years before Jesus' birth. Now, theologians and scholars have a couple ways to read it. One group would say that the way that we read this is an allegory. An allegory would be a picture of God's love for Israel or maybe Christ's love for the church. Another group would say it's a literal read. You're reading it as a literal conversation between a man and a woman. Now, we'll take the literal approach, but again, we'll reference how Christ loves the church. So the first week we looked at what it looks like and the phases and the areas of attraction, and then we looked at pursuit. Last week, we talked about rescuing sex because the church has done a really, I don't know if they've done a great job in the past talking about sex. And some of the things maybe you've heard is either they don't talk about it or if they do talk about it, it's, well, wait till you get married. That's what married people do. But there was never no, there, there wasn't a why. So last week we explained the why, why God has designed it the way that he's designed it. And this week we're going to be talking about differences of opinion, differences of opinion. You may be single watching this, you may be wanting a relationship, and you might be dreaming of forever after, and happily ever after, and everything is going to be great, everything is going to be perfect, if you just get married. For those who are in a relationship, you're probably giggling a little bit, you're probably laughing, because you know that all couples argue, all couples argue. Have you ever argued about the following? Netflix cheating. Yeah, that's when you had some extra time. They weren't home. You were home. And so you decided because you couldn't resist, you end up watching the show that you guys watched together. How about uh, how loud the TV gets? Um, one night I fell asleep. <laughs> Jenny um, had the TV on. I fell asleep. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, man, I heard gunshots. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I, I'm in like Jason Bourne mode. I reach to the side dresser next to me looking for the gun. And all of a sudden I, I kind of get to my senses and I realized that it was on the TV. We were, apparently there was an episode of Chicago PD, a rerun episode of uh, Chicago PD. Crazy. How about putting on a new roll of toilet paper? Like it doesn't even matter which way it goes. Just put it on, right? How about the temperature of the house? Too hot, too cold. How about toothpaste? You squeeze it from the top or you squeeze it from the bottom. I have a solution. Buy two. How about starting a load of laundry? Someone doesn't tell the other person and you leave it in there for days. How about not replacing trash bags after taking out the trash? Leaving hair in the sink or the shower? Answering emails late at night? And deciding what's for dinner? 
here's the truth. All couples argue. They do. All couples argue at one time or another. Now, here's the difference. There are healthy couples and there are unhealthy couples. Healthy couples fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples fight for the relationship and to make the relationship right. Unhealthy couples fight to be right. So the question really needs to be asked, is there, is there a right way to handle differences of opinion and resolve conflict? And even with a deep connection, Solomon and his bride, man, they found themselves looking at the same thing differently. Many of us, we find ourselves in the same place. We can look at the same situation. We can look at the same thing and see it differently. So one way to settle differences of opinion is not to react, but to act and not walk but talk. And so we're going to dive into that. We're going to see two root causes of conflict, and we're going to see three healthy promises to resolve conflict. Okay, so let's dive back into this love song. Notice what the woman says. I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling. Now this is what he said. Open to me my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair, the dampness of the night. So the woman is restless. Now she's sleeping, but yet she's still awake. So her heart's awake. So she's thinking about why her husband isn't home. So some theologians and scholars believe that she's actually talking about a dream, like she's dreaming. If that's, whether that's the case or not, she hears him knocking at the door and he's asking her to open the door with the dew and the dampness of the outside air. It's in the middle of the night or it's very early in the morning. He wants to come in and he, as we read it, he has one thing on his mind. He tries to butter her up by calling her his treasure, darling, dove, and perfect one. Now notice how she responds. I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? So in so many words, she's saying, I took a shower, took a bath, I'm in my PJs, I'm not in the mood to do it all over again. He's in the mood, and she's not in the mood. She waited up, he never came home at a decent time, she's worn out, she's half asleep. Things really haven't changed in 3,000 years. Now, there are two root causes of conflict that we're going to notice between the two lovebirds. Here's the invitation to all of us who are listening and watching, this is the invitation to you and to me. Be honest about the two things and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and in your mind. So the first root cause of conflict is unmet expectations. The first root cause of conflict is unmet expectations. So the wife is expecting her husband home at a certain time. He never came home. She can't sleep because she's wondering where her husband is. Now, he finally comes in, he's in the mood, and now she's asking two questions before getting the door. Should I get dressed again? And should I get my feet dirty again? I've seen this played out uh, with young couples who've been married for a short time. So they're sitting in the room and the wife says this, my dad fixed everything, paid the bills, he cut the grass, he even grilled so that my mom could have a break from cooking. Even though she's not saying this, this is what's being inferred. My husband doesn't know how to fix anything. My husband expects me to pay the bills. My husband wants me to pay someone to cut the grass. My husband expects me to do all the cooking. 
So this is what the husband hears. I'm stupid. I'm inept. I'm a slacker. And I would burn peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And then it's usually the husband's turn. He says something like this, maybe out of frustration or reaction to what she said. My mom had dinner ready for my dad every night. She stayed healthy. She stayed home with the kids. And my mom and dad had eight of us. So obviously they had time for each other. This is what's being inferred. My wife needs to stop ordering takeout. My wife needs to look a certain way. My wife needs to reset her priorities. And my wife needs to make time for me. And this is what, what, this is what the wife hears. Well, he wants 1956. He should have married his mom. See, unmet expectations can be disruptive to long-term success. When things are pushed under the rug for years, you may find yourself thinking, well, this isn't, this isn't what I thought marriage would be like. This isn't what I signed up for. Maybe I just need to stay with them until the kids are old enough and they, they move out of the house and then we can kind of go our separate ways. Guys, when things aren't discussed, you may find yourself with a roommate, sharing the bill, sharing the house, and figuring out childcare. It's not what God wants. It's really important. It's really important that we figure out and we discuss unmet expectations. The second root cause of conflict is selfishness. Selfishness. In our story, the husband comes home late and he expects his wife to be in the mood because he's always in the mood. He comes home, and he comes across, and this is what it comes across as, he's only thinking about himself and not communicating to her when he'd be home. The flip side, in our story, the wife is not in the mood and she's half asleep and she's worried about when he's going to come home. She's only thinking about herself as she's debating whether or not to even open the door for him. So in both cases, in our story, neither person is thinking about the other person. And guys, this still plays out in our relationships 3,000 years later. You have one that wants to talk it out, and you have one that just wants to watch TV. You have one that wants to be touched, and you have one that doesn't want to be touched. One lives, uh, one likes to save, and one likes to spend. One wants new things, and the other is content with simple things. One needs quality of time, while the other needs words of affirmation. So notice what happens next in our love song. My lover tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled within me. So now she goes from not being in the mood to being in the mood. So confusing. Maybe the simplest explanation is, well, she changed her mind. She says, I jumped up to open the door for my love. My hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with the lovely myrrh as I pulled back the bolt. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. So here's what's so fascinating. He puts his hand through the door. Somehow, someway, he puts his hand, tries to unlock the door. And by, by doing it, he puts myrrh on the bolt. And he puts this romantic fragrance on the door and walks away. She finally opens the door. He's gone. He's in the mood. She's not. Then she changes her mind. He leaves something nice. She is upset because he leaves. Remember, some theologians believe that she's having a dream. Now, notice what happens next. And here's our observation. 
Something insignificant can lead to something significant. The night watchman found me, this is what she says, as they made their rounds. They beat and bruised me and stripped off my veil, those watchmen on the walls. She goes out looking for her man. She can't find him. And unknown to us, the watchmen believe her to be a threat and they hurt her. Now, whether this happened in real life in our dream, it shows this, that significant, insignificant differences can lead to significant problems. Insignificant differences can lead to significant problems. When small differences of opinions that seem insignificant at the time are left unchecked, it can lead to significant problems and consequences. Like in the heat of the moment, it's hard for us to recognize that our spouse is not the enemy. Our in-laws are not the enemy. Jesus and the New Testament writers say that the devil and his army are the enemy. Notice it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against muddy powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Those are our enemy. Our wife, our husband, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our fiance are not the enemy. They, they are not the enemy. And here's, here's why this is so important. If there's an argument, if there's a disagreement, and one leaves the house, and they're left unguarded, man, that is a prime opportunity for the enemy to ruin and to wreck and to destroy the relationship. Guys, insignificant differences can lead to significant problems left unchecked. So we talked about the two root causes of a conflict. Now let's look at three healthy promises to resolve conflict. The first promise is this. I will respond, not react. I will respond, not react. And perhaps this is what Solomon did, man, is he put... A mirror on the doorknob as, as an act of love. See, he chose not to res- react. He chose to respond. And there's a difference between responding and reacting. Usually when we're criticized, when there's unmet expectations, w- what's easier for us to do? We react. I mean, we let loose. Whether it's frustration or discontentment, discontentment man, we let our emotions go free. Responding requires a timeout, a step back to make sure that we have all the information before reacting. So that's the difference. Reacting is emotional. Responding is informational. So as we pray for our spouse, it's necessary that we also pray for ourselves. We ask God to work on us and in us. The second promise is I will focus on the good and not the bad. Now, if we continued reading through Song of Solomon 5, chapter 5, the bride starts to focus on the good and describes all the features of her husband that she likes. And then she begins to work her way from the top of his body to the bottom, very similar to what Solomon did with her. Now, to be clear, no one is perfect, but it is possible to focus on the good and not the bad. Whether it's something about them, maybe something that they've done or they're doing, 
or maybe the fact that you just have life together, you're doing life together, there's always something good to focus on. The only one that can meet all your needs and all your desires is Jesus. It's unfair to put those expectations on someone who cannot live up to those standards, expectations, and desires. What's happening is we're unintentionally setting them up for failure. I love what Ruth Graham said about Billy Graham, who traveled about seven months out of the year. So a reporter asked Ruth this, doesn't that make you sick? Your husband is always on the road. Now she could have easily said, yes, it's so hard. He's never here. Instead, this is what she said. Five months with Billy is better than 12 months with any other man on earth. Truth is that focusing on the good can deepen your love for the other person. So the third promise is this. I will talk, not walk. I will talk, not walk. And we're going to see from the story that they both talk. They're, they are committed to each other. They're committed to making this work. See, separation and divorce for unnecessary reasons are never a solution to your problems. It's just an exchange of your problems. Because when we don't address the things that we're struggling with, when we don't address the things that we need to change, we're just going to carry that off into the other relationship or to the next relationship, which means that we're going to deal with the same thing again, just with a different person. Separation and divorce for unnecessary reasons are never a solution, but an exchange of your problems. And so notice as we go back into the story, they resolve their conflict and we find them once again enjoying each other. Notice what she says. I am my lover's and he claims me as his own. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wild flowers. In case you didn't know, yeah, it all worked out. You may believe that your marriage is beyond repair. You believe that your relationship is beyond repair. Like you have no hope. Because of God's power to restore and heal, no one is ever left without hope. And with God's help, I believe that any couple can find new growth and healing and forgiveness. It takes, it, it takes courage to talk. It takes prayer. It takes perseverance like you can't quit you gotta keep pushing forward see sometimes god wants more for you than you could ever want for yourself sometimes we box ourselves in and we try to work things on our own without ever inviting him into the process i think some of us are really tired and we're weary and we're ready to give up because we've been doing it on our own and guys like don't do it on your own do it through my power if you're a follower of Jesus, you have his spirit living in you. Lean into that. Don't give up. I love what Craig Rochelle writes. He says, if two people are seeking Christ by his power, he can give you something better than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. You know why I love that so much? I love it because it's about seeking Christ. When we are seeking Christ, and not just Christ, but also his power, we're able to accomplish so much because of him. Because he wants healthy, successful marriages. He doesn't want divorce. 
He wants a life. He wants a marriage that reflects the gospel. That's what he wants. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for us to talk about marriage and love and all the things we've talked about over the last four weeks in this series. One thing I ask, Father, is that one, we're open and honest about the things that we need to change to become more like you. Number two, I ask that you will help those who are just struggling. Father, I know there are marriages that are on the brink, and I'm asking that you rescue those marriages. I ask that each person in that marriage would look to you for help and also make the necessary changes they need to make to become more like Christ. It does take our effort along with your power. Father, for those who are married to someone that's not a believer, one, I ask that that believer be, um, stays consistent they stay faithful to you and they stay faithful to their marriage. I ask for the person they're married who's not a believer. I ask that you would pursue them. I ask the Holy Spirit would show them that they need a Savior and that Savior is Jesus. And they would reconcile with you. God, please allow that to happen. For our church, that our church would be full of healthy marriages and that we're able to come alongside those in our community those that might be attending our church for the first second or third time and we can help them come alongside of them and help them and see this is what a marriage when we're pursuing christ looks like help us in jesus name amen